Welcome to the X-Men Test Podcast, The Batman Years. My name is Sonia Rappaport. My name is Willie Simpson. Today, Willie, we have Season 2, Episode 10 of Batman the Animated Series, Time Out of Joint, another Clock King episode. He's returned. Temple Fugit is back. Yeah. And everyone is very excited. Uh, Before we get to that and a few other things, dispense with the plugs, please. Uh, I sure will. You can follow me on Twitter and threads. Look up Willie Simpson. Join the X-Men Task Podcast Facebook or Reddit groups. Look us up on those platforms. You can interact with us and the rest of the community. And last but not least, if you enjoy the show, please leave us a nice five-star review on iTunes. Again, we appreciate everyone who does just that. Sonia, this episode is about uh, distorting time. Mm -hmm. As far as our podcast goes, time is also distorted. Yes. Uh, As mentioned, you're going away for a few weeks to see some family members in August, so uh, we were recording a bunch of these in a row before you leave. Right. So we alluded to Barbie last time, but that was only yesterday for us, so we haven't seen it yet. So that's still forthcoming. Probably next week's episode you'll hear us talk about Barbie. We have caught up on a couple of Harley Quinn episodes since then. We watched um, up through... Uh, episode three, right? The first season three, four. Right. As of the time this recorded, we've seen the first three episodes. So I guess they dropped the first three out of the bat. Yeah, out of the gate, out of the bat. <laughs> um, it's good. I, you were telling talking to me earlier. You said the thing about the show; it's very consistent. Yeah, and I agree. I think it's it's not like great to me. It's not, and it, but it's also not so serious. You know, yeah. like I can kind of like have it on while I'm like scrolling on my phone or like walking around doing something. Yeah, and it's just kind of like I don't know if pleasant is the right word because it is like gory and sexual and yeah. like well the lead actors it's sensational are very pleasant voice actors and they give a great fun bubbly like cool sardonic performances and Lake Bell as Poison Ivy and Kaylee Cuoco as Harley Quinn. Uh huh. And so they're very enjoyable. Yeah. Um, I do think that their relationships, you know, they have a romantic relationship together in the show. I I believe it's just like a little too over the top uh-huh. in a certain way. Like just because they're always just going on talking about like their wild sex lives. And that feels a bit... Uh, performative? Yeah, a little performative, <laughs> a little uh, like not genuine, uh-huh. a little like uh, like male gazy in a weird way, you know. Maybe, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think just personally, I think be, I'd be more interested if they added a slightly bit more realism to their romantic relationship than like trying to sell us on this. Like these are the hottest, like most wildest, like lesbian women, you know, on TV. Yeah, I know what you mean. And again, it's fine. It's part of the fun in a way. I'm not criticizing it. I'm just saying that like that takes me out of it slightly because they are doing a lot of clever like societal commentaries in the show. And that, like this one aspect of it is kind of, like you said, a little performative. Right. I mean, I don't know. They're also supposed to be in a new relationship together. Mm-hmm. So maybe they're just trying to show like the enthusiasm that comes with a new relationship yeah, or but something. They seem I don't know. too old for the type of, and like they seem like teenagers. And it's clear that they're women in their like mid to late 30s or something. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, I don't know. Again, I don't mean to nitpick it from that standpoint because the show is just all around enjoyable. It's like a funhouse mirror of the Batman animated series. Yeah, that's well said. It's definitely, that show is encoded in this show's DNA for sure. It's playing off a lot of the stuff we saw, we see in Batman Tast, saw, you know, 20 mm-hmm. years ago. Um, and it's like, it's a fun, like, messed up send up of just the Batman universe in general. Like, the one aspect I like about the latest season is that Harley has joined the good guys and she's part of the Bat family. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's mild spoilers if you don't watch it, but who cares? Like, Bruce Wayne's in prison. He did some shady stuff as Batman. 
he decided that he needed to go to prison. Like he, he you know, he did he did it voluntarily. Mm-hmm. And then in his uh, stead are it's like young Robin, the Damian Wayne Robin, mm-hmm. uh, Nightwing, Dick Grayson, and Batgirl, Girl. Barbara Gordon. Now Harley Quinn's the fourth member, right? And they're off like fighting crime together, and it's funny. It's just like all the rules of being like Batman's wards and Harley not accepting them or having trouble being a good guy. And there's a lot of funny jokes with Alfred. It's good. Yeah. It's fun. And, and it's cute. Yeah. And it always looks good. Like the, the, the animation is really like pretty beautiful. Mm-hmm. Very colorful and like careful. I would say it's very, it has like its own distinctive style. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wonder, you know, these kinds of shows did not really exist exactly when we were kids. I think like the closest we had to adult cartoons outside of the Simpsons was like Beavis and Butthead. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're talking about like subversive humor and like adult level situations and content. Um, it wasn't like, I, I mean, I, I'm probably like missing like some really obvious examples, but it just doesn't feel like shows like this existed. My point is like, I wonder if I was a kid and I watched everything as a kid, obviously, especially cartoons. Yeah. Would I be watching the show at a very young age? And what would I think? Like, would it be too crazy for me? Would my parents notice that I'm watching it? You know, you know what right. I'm saying? Like, it's 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 interesting that all these comedies exist now, cartoon comedies, ostensibly for adults our age. But I mean, definitely not yeah. ostensibly. I don't think this yeah. is appropriate for children. It's not. But like, <laughs> would I? But would you or I just? If we were have kids, watched it, if yeah. we had access to it. I mean, probably I, I would have watched any kind of Batman content that was available to me. Yeah, that's what's interesting. Like, I wondered, like, what kids are watching this and what they make of it. I find that it's just so much more intense in yeah. terms of subject matter versus stuff we were exposed to. Because even like, I think like the gross out cartoon of our childhood, which like I didn't watch too much of because I didn't have cable, right. but Ren and Stimpy. Yeah. Was like it's pretty gross out. R- yeah, like really on purpose. And, but that was explicitly for kids, even though adults could obviously enjoy it. But it was on Nickelodeon. And it also didn't have like a sexual component to it, which... Not exactly. There was elements of that thrown in there. Oh, really? The, okay. Well, not like... I haven't seen like enough of yeah. it to really know, but... Yeah. Uh, it was subversive. Let me put it that way. A subversive kids show. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I mean, there's nothing like this when we were kids. This is my point. Like, there's so many cartoons now that are just like so over the top and insane, like Rick and Morty. There's a lot of shows on Hulu, cartoons. But I think the understanding of cartoons has changed to to understand that they're not really for kids. Like, there are ones for kids, but there are also ones that are solely for adults. Yeah. But this one, it's like you said, it's all about Batman, the world of Batman. Like, I needed to see anything Batman when I was a kid. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, maybe kids just... Maybe parents are on top of censoring, and or maybe they're cool with it, and or maybe kids just. But it's don't not like care. kids really sit down and watch TV either. Yeah. They stream stuff, and that's all like got com- like parental controls on it. Yeah. So I feel like you know, cool teenagers would like this show. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But I, I don't know what <laughs> cool teenagers. <laughs> I don't know what ki- cool ones. teenagers watch these days. <laughs> <laughs> we we were not cool teenagers, no. so we wouldn't know too much about that right, subject. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just find that fascinating. Is all I'm saying is, yeah. just like, there's this world, there's endless amounts of adult level cartoons out there now. And I mean, were there like adult Batman fans when we were kids? Did oh, you know yeah. anyone like in our parents' no, generation? No, but that's just because of the specifics of my parents. They didn't give a shit. But like, okay. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, like Batman when that Tim Burton movie came out was. A phenomenon. I mean, my dad took me to. See, I was six. He took me to see it in that opening week. Yeah. He doesn't care about Batman, but I guess in his mind, it was 
like something. Well, he cool was taking you because you were a kid, but he himself that was, that's wasn't. Also, a, he didn't care about Batman. No, but that's not a movie for kids. So, like the point on some level, he had to. I, I can't imagine. I don't remember. I was six. Like, was uh-huh. I asking him to take me to Batman at that age? Mm. Maybe I was because I'm sure like the marketing was so intense that like whatever TV I was consuming at the time, I was brainwashed by the idea of like, oh my god, Batman. The Batman. And he's movie. like, all right, I'll take him. Yeah. But uh, you know, my dad. I don't know how much he cared about Batman, but like I said, it was enough for him to like drag his kid to the movie theater. Okay. I don't know. I'm That's, just saying now, like we're a whole generation right. of grownups that like yes. superhero stuff. Yeah. So they make superhero stuff for us. Whereas when we were kids, I don't, I, I didn't know any adults. It, it was that, definitely made for general audiences. Let's yeah. Say. It's like, it was an idea, yeah. you know, and they didn't make too many of them. They had um, Superman and they had Batman. Mm-hmm. And that was it. But also, it was only like a like a couple of movies. It wasn't. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't yeah. like TV shows that were just. I mean, there were a few, but they were silly. Yeah. You know, there was a few Superman shows here and there. There was a few Batman shows throughout the years. Obviously, well, I guess really one Batman show in the '60s, but it was re- repeated for decades. Speaking of Superman shows, oh yeah, the new Superman show, My Adventures with Superman. We've gotten up to episode five, right? Yes. Yeah. So we're a little behind now. In terms of what's out there, but up to episode five. Yeah. I really loved episode five. Yeah, it was good. Uh, They're really just like accelerating the plot in a way that blows my mind in terms of certain reveals of characters and what people know about each other, romances. It's really, they're really pushing it fast in a way that I was not expecting. Mm -hmm. They're not doing the traditional like teases of the classic character tropes between Clark and Lois Mm -hmm. and everyone around. They're... They're, and they're also putting a spin on it. I don't really even want to spoil it too much. I mean, I, I'm sure you can I like imagine. that, though. I mean, I complain about origin stories all the time because, you know, once you've seen it once, you know the story. And then, like, you don't need that to be rebooted over and over again. It's like, okay, now we can... Everyone knows who Superman is and where he comes from and Smallville and all that stuff. All right, so you can play with so, all the... I mean, that's why I kind of yeah, like... Yeah, so it's like, it's nice. It's like you give a primer for, like, a, a real quick recap in case anyone doesn't know. Yeah. And then you just get to the stories, so that's good. That's why I liked... Um, that the latest live action Superman, the Superman and Lois show, mm-hmm. the newer one, because Superman's a dad. Yeah. And I, I've mentioned many times, but it was just so funny to me is seeing Superman as a disappointed father with his dipshit sons. Uh-huh. Jim just standing there, like trying to have patience, and his sons are just not living up to him. And, you know, that's not a part of the character. The character is not, you don't feel his resentment towards, not at all, but I, I was putting it in <laughs> that character's mind. <laughs> like in the back of Superman's mind, he's got to be disappointed in these dumbass kids. <laughs> And they're always complaining and whining at him and, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, being a kid's hard. Um, I want to mention randomly, too. Uh, again, we're recording these podcasts back to back to back to back, whatever. Uh, so just throwing it out there just for fun. We've been re-watching X-Men. We started in season two. Just I threw it on one night uh, just, you know, when we were before we were going to bed just to watch something. And it's been a few years since I've re-watched X-Men. I know we've, we have occasionally we've dipped, dipped back a toe in, in back, yeah. back uh, right. every now and then we do. But we're just like sort of barreling through season two right now. We're about like five or six episodes in. I gotta say, I'm amazed at how much fun I'm having watching it. I know it's ridiculous coming from the, ho- the host of the X-Men Test podcast, <laughs> but like I, I, it's to me, it's still it's holding up. I'm, your love. <laughs> I'm really still enjoying it as a cartoon um, the voice performances are so amazing. The scripts are so great. The way they do storytelling is just so excellent. And 
and just per- the perfect, it's just like the perfect amount of like taste and restraint with all these things. That's funny. I, I've been enjoying just the contrast between that and the Batman show, which is like how it was shown on right. TV in our childhoods. And it's like the Batman animated series is known as like the prestige cartoon of the time. Yeah. You know, it's very, it's a lot more like restrained, including like with the color palette and the dialogue and like everything about it is more like reserved. Right. And then by contrast, you watch like an X-Men test episode and it's like so loud. Like (laughs) janky and it's crazy. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. I mean, the really the only thing that looks worse and worse is the animation style. Yeah. It is just, it is fairly like, you know, it's rushed or it's just not, it holds together by a shoestring sometimes. And especially a lot of the painted backgrounds. I mean, all the stuff I never noticed Mm-hmm. Ever really before. well because you were just paying attention to the story yeah. as a kid yeah. and the you know an animation's just gotten so much better but yeah. uh, I mean that's why I'm still curious to see what this new show is going to look yeah, like. yeah exactly that's like our hope for <laughs> we shouldn't put all our eggs in one basket or whatever or like get too excited about it probably but right um, anyway if they can rectify that animation issue and still have good X Men stories in this X Men ninety seven cartoon that'll be yeah really fun my one hot take about it is like reconciling I think we did a lot of there's like fun complaining when we did the original show about like how come Colossus couldn't just stay in the show or yeah. Nightcrawler. <laughs> but looking at it now, it's like, it's so perfect the way they wrote in all those teases. Right. Well, it's, I mean, the reason is there's too many of them. Yeah. But they, they leave you wanting more. Like yeah. they, that's really. It's not actually to the show's detriment. No. At all. Like the idea that Colossus yeah. comes back a few times and then Wolverine's always asking him to join at the end and he says, no, that's actually, it's really fun, you know? <laughs> like, and it, 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 I don't know. It's just very enjoyable. And uh, I'm, I don't know. I'm getting a little psyched up for the return of X-Men in our lives at some point. Yep. All right. Let us move on to this Time Out of Joint episode. We open on a title card. It's the Clock King with his clock glasses. And he looks to be at the end of like a wormhole sort of thing. It's not t- too... It's a cool image. ...clear until you see the episode, what what's going on there. But um, the episode itself opens up on the Gotham Antiquarian Society, and they're having an auction that day. And you you see inside the auction hall, a Fabergé egg was just auctioned off to Veronica Vreeland for $200,000. And Veronica's Dick and... Back. Yeah, well... <laughs> not really. Just for a second. Yeah. Dick and Bruce are sitting in the the auction, and Dick is just, like, bored out of his mind. He, like, cannot see the sense in buying all of these ridiculously expensive items. Mm-hmm. And Bruce is like, well, you know, it's for a good cause. And he's very smug about doing this for charity. Right. Using his wealth for charity. Exactly. He's He himself bids on a $600,000 clock that Dick is like, I wouldn't use as, that as a doorstop because he thinks it's so <laughs> ugly. But it apparently used to be owned by Marie Antoinette. Right. Uh, Dick is like looking around the the auditorium and he thinks he glimpses the clock king for just a second. And Bruce is like, no, that can't be. But then the next thing you know, the clock that he just bid on disappears off of the stage. Um, so, of course, Bruce and Dick have to run out of there right away and investigate what's going on. You see the clock king in the alley and he says, oh, okay, the trial run was was a success. And he just throws the clock in the trash. He didn't even want it. Right. So the clock king has magic powers now. Right. <laughs> like, power is so great that you wonder how Batman and Robin can possibly deal with him. Yes, yeah. you do wonder what's going to happen. Um, so, Batman and Robin are with Commissioner Gordon, and they're reviewing, like, CCTV footage of the auction, which is great. You know, like, we 
<laughs> you and I constantly talk about how come there's no CCTV in Star Trek. Right. Because there's like always these mysteries and they're in the future. And like the way that the future is actually playing out now is that there are video cameras constantly capturing everything that happens in the world. And Star Trek couldn't get it for some reason. That's true. <laughs> but um, Gotham City did. Right. Gotham City is well uh, videotaped. So, well under surveillance. I guess, yeah. So, uh, Batman uh, tells Gordon that he has he just has a, a, a gut feeling that it's Temple Fugit. And he says um, that Gordon has to warn Mayor Hill. Right, because if you remember in the original clocking episode, the mayor inadvertently ruined Temple Fugit's life. This guy who lives by, like, the clock to the... This millisecond, mm-hmm. and the the mayor gave him some bad advice, saying, "Oh, why don't you just take some time and smell the roses?" And that was a huge disaster. He literally does it, and it ruins his life. Right, exactly. <laughs> now he's con- all consumed with revenge. So we cut to Temple Fugit. Um, he's using the pseudonym of Harold, and he's working for this scientist, a Doctor Wakati, working um, as an Alfred. Yeah, basically. <laughs> he brings him his meal and he says, oh, and I brought you a timer so you can take your medicine on time. And, oh, by the way, what are you working on? How's your research going? And it turns out that this Dr. Wakati is researching or, like, creating prototype temporal devices that can, like, slow down or speed up time, like, to an extreme. <laughs> He's invented a machine that's beyond all science. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, and he wants to use it. Like, he has good ideas for how to use it. Like right. for good stuff, he wants to use it to put terminally terminally ill people into stasis, like until he's a good mad scientist. Yeah, until like a cure is found for whatever they have, or to like speed up time on certain to things, decompose to, toxic waste in seconds as opposed to eons. Right, get rid of nuclear wastes quickly. Right. And this guy's voiced by Roscoe Lee Brown, the great Roscoe Lee Brown, who you remember the powerhouse voice actor from Spider-Man as Kingpin. Mm-hmm. So he's back in our lives here. Awesome. Yeah. I didn't remember, but... I did. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for pointing it out. <laughs> um, so now Mayor Hill's on the phone with Commissioner Gordon talking about some big event that's coming up. Um, and the mayor says, oh, you know, I'm not worried about it at all. Like, there's tons of security. There's no way anyone could get through. But Batman and Robin are worried, and they're keeping watch across from City Hall or um, the mayor's office just to make sure, because they are certain that Temple Fugit is going to show up. So, you know, we're now in the new adventures of Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. Like, the show has changed titles. And the show's kind of really living up to that. Like, Batman and Robin are a much more consistent and effective time uh, crime-fighting team. I mean, we said that, stakeouts like... stakeouts, and, like, Robin's just there all the time. They're true partners. We said that, like, at the beginning of this season. And then, like, for a few episodes, it faltered. And now it seems to be back again. Yeah. So. Yeah, and you're right. But, uh, you know, they're... When they're together, they're, like, in real uh, synchronicity. synchronicity. In this episode, they are. Yeah, that's true. Um, So, uh, Temple Fugit does show up. He has this time device that he's using to slow down all of reality around him drastically. So, like, Dr. Wakati was using it sort of um, on, like, one item at a time. But the Clock King is using it everywhere. He clips it to his belt, and, you know, his reality is can be massively distorted to his benefit. Right. Um, 
So he, like, dodges a car easily that's about to hit him. He, like, goes into City Hall, just, like, sidestepping all of the security that's around. And he waltzes right into the mayor's office. And the mayor tries to call for help, but the clock can keeps, like, one-upping him. He'll, like, use the device on and off, like, right. to, to take the intercom away or, like, just, like, fool him in different ways. Right. Uh, block him from leaving the room. Uh, so, you know... Fugit is letting the mayor know his mad plans for revenge. He wants revenge on the entire judicial system. and um, But Batman obviously hears there's a scuffle. So he they unleash their plan. They set off this bright light in the room that does blind Fugit. And Temporarily. Ba- right. Batman and Robin leap through the window. And uh, they have a quick fight, but Fugit does get away. The Clock King. Right. He, like, falls down some stairs. Some woman lands on top of him. He flees the building. He's using the device again. He steals a cop car. He does notice the Batmobile in an alley. And, you you know, you see him kind of, like, wriggling his eyebrows like he's up to something. But he does end up taking the cop car to make his getaway. Hmm. Um, So, uh, Robin has pieces of the broken time device in a plastic bag. They don't know what to make of it just yet. Um, Batman deduces that he doesn't think that the clocking was responsible for it. And Gordon is also has his police on the trail of the clocking as well. Uh, Fugit heads home back into the mountains where Dr. Wakati lives. Um, And Dr. Wakati finds out that his faithful butler, Harold is a criminal mastermind who stole his device and is using it for ill gains. Right. Um, Gordon and Montoya, see right Montoya now in her like suit and tie yeah professional suit and tie and and long trench coat because she's a full detective now pretty cool um they like dredge up the stolen police car they find it in the bottom of a river that's right next to some train tracks and Batman and Robin are looking on from above um and they say like oh these train tracks only go in one to one place like up into the mountains and Batman knows that that's where Dr. Wakati is. Like, he's heard of him before, and he says, oh, he's the father of quantum temporal theory. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he's basically the god of quantum temporal theory with the <laughs> shit he's come up with. Uh, so, like, they're driving along trying to get to Dr. Wakati, and uh, turns out the Clock King, when he noticed the Batmobile in the alley, put one of those devices on the bottom of it as, uh, like, a trap. And... Uh, Batman and Robin are trapped in time. This is an awesome scene. Reality is moving much more quickly than them, uh, and they're just kind of, like, standing still. Uh, Batman, (laughs) he's talking about something having to do with, like, he's like, last last time I checked, E equals MC squared is still a a law of the universe or something. And he shoots his grappling hook, like, under the car to stop it. Yeah. To, like, pull them out of the temporal aberration that they're in or something and uh robin like looks at uh, like a nearby clock tower or something and he's like oh we've lost 48 hours better hurry so we don't lose any more right yeah like batman saves them from being annihilated in a nuclear explosion somehow like the mass of the batmobiles increasing as the time device is accelerating all around them and batman's concerned that their mass will you know if they get struck by anything they'll blow up in a like a big explosion. Mm-hmm. So he does save the day there. It's actually, it's, it's a really cool scene where the stakes are like insanely high. Yeah. And you was, see like everything like whooshing past them. Like, yeah, it's very psychedelic, like 2001 a space odyssey. Mm-hmm. 
So it's been two days. God knows what could have happened in this time. I'm actually surprised the Clock King didn't just get all. Yeah, I mean, it seems time. to not have made like that big of a difference. Yeah. Actually, no, <laughs> they lost two days, but uh, so they do end up going to Doctor Wakati's lab, um, and they find him in his laboratory, also trapped in time. Um, luckily, the device is like there next to him, so Batman just presses the button. To There's get a out. lot of these. De- this Doctor Wakati made a lot of these devices. Yeah, man, that's very dangerous. Very dangerous. Um, meanwhile, a press conference is about to start, uh, led by Mayor Hill and Fugit, I I mean, the clock king, you know, goes over there, uh, with his time device and he plants a bomb in the podium while time is stopped. Right. So the idea is that he's going to, the mayor's ushering in some new thing and he's going to hit his podium with a mallet and in doing so it's going to set off this bomb. Right. Uh, Batman and Robin, they urge Dr. Riccati to give them a 30 second lesson in how to use the time devices because they need to get back to the city as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. And so what they do is they strap them to their bat bikes, and they're going like a thousand miles an hour, <laughs> which seems insanely dangerous. Somehow they could uh, navigate those things at that speed, and they're totally fine. And uh, they get to the podium just in time. Turns out that um, Mayor Hill is actually dedicating a new courthouse, oh, there you go. and that's why uh, the Clock King is so furious about the, this whole event. Right. So they arrive at the courthouse. Uh, Temple Fugit can't believe it. The mayor bangs the gavel. The bomb gets triggered, but Batman in super speed finds it and is able to, like, with the time distortion effect, run this exploding bomb to the river. I, I really like this animation sequence. He looks totally insane. It looks awesome. <laughs> it's kind of like this whole episode's like Quicksilver effects, basically. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, he's like holding the bomb as it's like he's moving quickly, but the bomb is detonating at like super slow speed so you see like the radiation or whatever the explosion starting to like expand in his hands like as he's holding it it's cool um right so batman saves the day fuga tries to get away but robin is able to catch him the device crumbles and uh fuga gets hauled away to prison meanwhile back with dr ricotti uh batman i don't know batman i found i found the statement to be bullshit He's like, it's too bad you've decided to keep your invention a secret. And I'm like, is it Batman? This is an extremely dangerous device. Well, maybe he's seeing that would the... change the nature of reality. And yeah, I know. Speaking of, uh, I get it has some good effects, right? But it just seems like way too insane. Um, and Doctor Wakati yeah. says, like, well, clearly, like based on recent events, we can tell that the world isn't ready for it. Right. So fair enough. And Robin's like, oh well, too bad. Temple Fugit doesn't have this device to help him pass the time he's going to spend in prison. Yeah. So the clucking back in jail. The day saved again. Temporal reality, normal temporal reality restored. Our heroes triumphant against impossible circumstances. Yeah, this was a good episode. I liked it. It was cool. It was like a it was like a weird 1950s Batman comic where that they were having outrageous sci-fi premises and yeah. they kind of updated it a little bit and made it a little more scientific and a little more uh interesting. Yeah, the ending like the very very end, like the last 1 minute was like a little bit of a soft landing I thought, but other than that, like really good the whole way through. Like like you said, the sci-fi premise is interesting. You are a little bit in suspense if you don't remember what happened about yeah. like I remember this one is how it's gonna be resolved, like yeah. how Batman's gonna manage to keep up with this guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I couldn't remember how they could possibly beat this guy this time. Yeah. But they they do. <laughs> uh good episode. Let us know what you guys think at home. Sonia, until next week. Good night. Good night. <laughs>